Hey, I'm Rachel May, country singer, songwriter, and host of Mama's Cup of Ambition, the podcast for ambitious mamas with big dreams and little kids. Or maybe your kids aren't so little anymore, but your dreams are still just as big as ever. Wherever you find yourself in your motherhood journey, if you've got ambitious goals that you're longing to achieve, and you're looking to spark inspiration, cultivate motivation, and develop community with like-minded mamas, you're in the right place. As a new mama myself, I created this show as a place for honest and empowering conversations about motherhood, entrepreneurship, and dream chasing. So grab a notebook, top off that cup of coffee, and let's turn our goals into action plans and our dreams into reality together. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode number six of Mama's Cup of Ambition. So... This is actually the episode that I had prepared for last week, but since I decided to flip the script and make an episode last week about self-love and acceptance, I figured I would throw this into rotation here. So this episode also has to do with love and acceptance as well, but in this case, I wanted to explore acceptance in the face of adversity. But before we get into that, I just want to tell you about another love story, and that's my recent love affair with Instacart. You always hear folks saying how it takes a village to raise a child, but since at the time of this recording, we're parenting in a pandemic, our village is predominantly virtual. So Instacart has become a cherished part of this new mama's village because they make it so easy for me to keep my family fueled and fed. In just a few clicks, I can easily fill a cart with all the things we need to restock our kitchen, making it easy to make nourishing meals at home. And the best part is that since we started using Instacart, we actually save money because I don't know about you, but no matter how on point my grocery list is, grocery stores make me freaking impulsive, especially when I'm hungry. And let's be honest, I'm nursing, so I'm always hungry these days. (laughs) But with Instacart, I found that I really only add the things that are actually on my list because I don't have to battle the allure of the pastries and the random snacks calling my name from the aisles. And the icing on the grocery store cake is that your order is delivered right to your door in as fast as an hour. I mean, what a a magical freaking time we're living in where you can knock out your grocery shopping from the comfort of your couch in your pajamas with a baby attached to your boob. Just think of all the dreams you could chase with the time you'll save using Instacart. Now that is how ambitious mamas get it done. If you want to experience Instacart for yourself, you can get free delivery on your first order over $35 by using the link in the show description. And hey, when you use my link, it lets Instacart know that I sent you and it helps fill my cup and keep the show going. So mama to mama, I just want to say thank you for supporting the show. Okay, back to today's episode. So has your mom ever tried to tell you something and you just completely blew it off only to have it come back around to remind you that your mama actually does know what's up? (laughs) There have been a lot of moments like that for my mom and I, but there's one moment in particular where my mom made a prediction that made me question if she had some sort of like fortune teller abilities that I was unaware of. But I'm getting ahead of myself here because before my mom made her earth-shaking prediction for my life, she had to make one for her own. So let's go back in time to, gosh, I guess it was about 1995. Yeah, I think that's about when it would have been. And we've been living in Scottsdale, Arizona for several years, and my mom was working as a labor and delivery nurse practitioner. And my sister was in high school, and I had just started middle school. And for some context here, my parents got divorced when I was still a baby, and although both my parents were always very present in my life, 
my dad was living in Washington at the time, so my mom was basically running the show solo in that season. And we were all just struggling. <laughs> we weren't happy in Scottsdale because we just didn't feel like we belonged. And there was a lot of pressure to keep up with the Joneses, and it all just felt very superficial to us. So as a family, we were all just ready for a change. And my mama, being a total gypsy soul, was never afraid to pack it all up and rebuild somewhere else. So she started applying for jobs in different towns across Arizona. So as she started putting herself out there, she'd get a bite from a job that would seem really promising. And we'd take a day trip or sometimes an overnight trip to wherever the job was, places like Flagstaff and Preston and Tucson. And I remember rolling into these towns exploring and imagining what it would be like to live there. And my mom would be so excited and optimistic, saying things like, hey, look, they've got a Miller's Outpost here. <laughs> because remember, we were teenagers at the time, and one of the stores that my sister and I liked to shop at a lot was Miller's Outpost. And I just remember my mom's optimism. And when I think about it now, I imagine... It was probably pretty nerve-wracking for her to be laying the groundwork to uproot our family while also applying for jobs and putting herself out there and nurturing and supporting my sister and I as she fought to create a better life for us. And it wasn't like she was going to know anyone in any of these towns or have like an established support network. I mean, she was literally holding so much together for our family. And I just wonder how she did it. I wonder who was holding space for her. And I know she had friends in her corner, but they were all long distance. And I don't know. I guess I didn't consider how brave she was at the time. But when I think back on it now, I'm just like, damn, my mom had balls. But anyway, she just kept applying and interviewing for jobs. And we kept scoping out new towns with high hopes. But for one reason or another, none of the jobs were panning out. And I just remember one point in our search where my mom had confided in us that she was feeling pretty defeated. But she knew we were being called to make a change for some reason. And that if we just kept trying, eventually the right door would open and we'd be thankful for all those other doors that shut in our face. So another month would pass with no job in sight. And it started to feel like it was actually never going to happen. And then, don't you just love those moments in the story where you just know something big is about to happen? I'm obsessed with and-then moments. <laughs> anyway, and then my mom decided to attend this medical symposium for professionals. And I bet that wasn't what you thought was coming after that and-then. <laughs> But if you knew my mom, then you really wouldn't have expected me to say that because my mom hated those kinds of events. I mean, hated with a capital H. My mom had lupus and she was living with unrelenting chronic pain. So spending her days off at a medical symposium just wasn't very high on her list of things to do, especially with us girls being at home and with the pain that she was trying to manage. But for whatever reason, she felt like she was supposed to go to this particular event. And so she did. And wouldn't you know it, that during a break, my mama was standing at a snack table, making small talk with a few fellow attendees, and a woman she was standing there talking with said, hey, you wouldn't happen to know of any nurse practitioners that would be interested in relocating to Prescott, would you? So can we just hit pause here for a minute? Because 
I don't know if you believe in manifestation or not, but I absolutely do. And I've come to recognize that when you vocalize a desire and back it up with some action, the universe will meet you where you are and start opening doors in the most unexpected places every single time. And this is a perfect example of it. So my mom, super excited, responded to this woman, said, yes, me, I'm a nurse practitioner and I have been looking to relocate my family. We would totally be interested in checking out Prescott. That sounds right up our alley. So she applied for the job and she got it. And we moved to Prescott. And what's really magical here is that my mom got to spearhead a program called Wellness on Wheels, which was basically a mobile clinic doing community outreach to provide free medical care to underserved communities who really, truly needed it. And she described it as some of the most rewarding and meaningful work of her career. So that was something that she got to dive into in this position that opened up for her. And if those other jobs had worked out, Wellness on Wheels is an example of an opportunity that she may not have had. And truly, Prescott was a much better fit for my sister and I. I mean, sure, we still had our own teenage struggles because you can't avoid those. But I think overall, we were both just so much happier there. So here's where the plot thickens. So remember how I told you that my dad was living in Washington at the time? Well, my sister and I, we were fixing to come up to spend some time with him for the summer. And my mom was planning a vacation to Mexico for herself. And because we had a dog... Okay, actually, we had a dog, a bird, a rabbit, and a stray cat that I'd been feeding. (laughs) If you know me, you know that that is like true to form. (laughs) But we were going to need someone to come look after our little makeshift farm. And as fate would have it, one of my mom's coworkers had a son who loved animals and was down to make a little extra cash. So my mom recruited him to come and take care of all of these animals while we were out of town. And at this point, my sister and I had already taken off to Seattle, but when summer was over and we got back to Prescott, my mom was like, hey, Rach, you got to meet Rosemary's son. He is the sweetest kid, and I think you guys have so much in common and would really hit it off. Now, let me just say, (laughs) I was 14 years old at the time, and I immediately shut that down. I think my exact words were, gross, mom. You do not know my tasting, guys. (laughs) Because, you know, teenagers, I mean, I had it all figured out and I sure as hell did not need my mom getting involved in my romantic endeavors. (laughs) So that was that. And she was like, "Okay, but I'm telling you, I really think y'all would hit it off, but I'm not going to force the issue. So that was it. Right. We dropped it. Well, fast forward a month or so. And my mom's coworker had a daughter who was getting married. And so we get invited. And let me just tell you that My mom had a lot of strong suits and a lot of redeeming qualities, but being on time was not one of them. And again, to be fair, like I mentioned, she was living in chronic pain, and that absolutely played a part in that because it made it really challenging for her to get moving a lot of the time. But I mentioned this to say, we were late to the wedding, okay? (laughs) So we kind of had to sneak into the church and try to like really quietly take a seat. So we took our seat in the very last pew of the church. And once we got settled, I noticed this cute guy sitting at the other end of the pew we were in. And he kind of locked eyes with me and we exchanged like a bashful teenage smile and then really quickly tried to like look the other way because as a teenager, it's kind of embarrassing when you make eye contact with a boy, okay? But (laughs) we kept catching eyes and I honestly couldn't have told you anything else about that wedding. So at one point, I leaned over to my mom and I whispered, hey, that guy over there is really cute. 
And my mom kind of casually looked over and then looked back at me and nodded and smiled. So the ceremony continues. And when it comes to an end, the guy at the end of the pew gets up and walks behind us. And as he does, my mom turns around and waves at him with this big smile and says, hi. And I about died. (laughs) And I think I may have jabbed her in the leg saying something along the lines of like, what are you doing? Don't embarrass me. And my mom turned around with the biggest smile and says, that's Gabe. (laughs) Yep, Gabe, otherwise known as Rosemary's son, aka the guy who took care of the little zoo while I was visiting my dad. The same Gabe that my mom told me I should meet because she knew I would like him. Well, damn it if my mom wasn't right, because Gabe and I were introduced that day. And then a few days later, I called him to ask him if he wanted to go to a movie with me and a few friends. And yes, I called him with no fear of rejection, mind you, because apparently the 14-year-old version of me was pretty confident in what she brought to the table. (laughs) Every once in a while, if I'm hesitating out of self-doubt on a dream, I try to like tap into the spirit of that teenager version of me. So we had our first date, and funny side note here, we didn't end up going to a movie after all because we were in a small town, and there were two movie theaters, and the movie we had arranged to see was rated R, and they wouldn't let us in because... We were just kids, really. I don't even remember what the movie was that we were trying to see, but I know the alternative was The First Wives Club, which, for the record, I freaking love that movie, but it's not exactly first date material. (laughs) But we had our first date, and we've been together ever since. So you could even say it was love at first sight because it actually was. And my mom called it. And my mom ended up passing away when I was 19. And I have another episode coming up soon where I'll share more about that and about her and her life. But it's always really been special knowing that my mom introduced us and that Gabe got to know my mom. I mean, that's so freaking special to me because I don't have to try to describe her to him. He knows firsthand who she was and he's got his own memories of her. That's priceless, really. But the even bigger point that I wanted to make here may sound so cliche when it comes out of my mouth right now, but everything happens for a reason. I mean, if those other jobs that my mom had been trying to go for had worked out, would I have met Gabe? I mean, I tend to believe that we would have eventually found each other somehow, but it's pretty wild to think that everything in that scenario had to line up just right for us to collide. And what seemed like a major disappointment with every job that fell through actually ended up being the biggest blessing. And I think we all have moments like that in our lives, but perspective can just take a minute to come into focus. Sometimes we set a goal or a dream into motion and we find ourselves so disappointed when things don't unfold the way that we think they should. But things really do happen for us, not to us. And I guess it's fair to say that We may not always know or get the benefit of knowing and seeing exactly how something has worked out in our favor because I think sometimes we really just get spared from things that we didn't even know were looming. But I recently heard Jasmine Starr say that your setbacks are actually your setups. And I freaking love that because I think it's exactly right. Maybe that business deal that you almost got but that fell through was 
actually a shady deal that would have burned you. Or maybe that relationship that blew up and broke your heart momentarily actually opened your heart for a deeper love that you found down the road. I mean, I think things just have a funny way of working out the way that they're meant to. So when I get hit these days with adversity, I'm really trying to just take a beat and feel all the feels. And then I'm really practicing trying to give thanks for the redirection in real time, even when I don't know why I'm being redirected. And notice I said there that I'm practicing because I do not knock this out of the park every time. Let me just say it. I mean, all of 2020 basically felt like one major redirection after another, didn't it? And I'll be the first to admit that I wasn't sitting there saying thank you for every curveball. (laughs) In episode two, I mentioned how we started off 2020 pregnant and homeless, but I didn't go into detail about how that came to be. So we had been renting a great little place in the Pacific Northwest since we had moved back from Nashville, and it had everything we needed. But most importantly, in that space, I was able to quit the soul-sucking nine-to-five that I also mentioned in episode number two, and I was able to start my own business that allowed me to work from home, providing dog daycare, training, and overnight care for an exclusive handful of loyal clients. And it was kind of a dream. I mean, the place had its own little like weird quirks and things that we had kind of come to live with, but it kind of seemed worth the trade-off. But we knew with Waylon on the way that we would be growing out of that space and would need to make a move at some point. But we made a plan to just stay put for at least the first year to help us save and kind of better position ourselves for our next move. So I spent almost my entire second trimester working to touch every corner of that little house with love and elbow grease in preparation for our little growing family. And I have to say, I had that place whipped into shape and I was feeling ready for our little buckaroo to make his appearance. I mean, I had worked my tail off and I had this fantasy about how I would spend my third trimester. I planned to continue working with my dog clients up until Waylon was born and I was going to carve out some time to just relax as well. Well, that was a sweet fantasy, but here's what actually happened. (laughs) So right before New Year's Eve 2019, Gabe and I were just about to go out for a walk, and right before we walked out the door, we heard the sound of gushing water. Well, come to find out, that gushing sound that we heard was actually the sound of sewage. Yes, you heard that right, sewage. As it turns out, the landlord had attempted to make a DIY repair before we moved in, and his repair failed epically, resulting in our place being completely flooded with sewage, to the extent that it was deemed uninhabitable. So we spent New Year's Eve 2019 in an emergency evacuation, trying to salvage what we could of our belongings, and we had to find a new place to live, both in the short term and long-term as well because the damage was so extensive. And on top of all of this, our landlord decided to be super shady and took zero responsibility for the emergency situation he had created. That's a whole other story, and I'm not going to get into that here. But we found ourselves suddenly homeless and scrambling to find a new place to call home as we approached the end of our pregnancy. And remember when I said that I had been working from home, so the flood didn't just ravage our belongings and force us out of the place we had been calling home, it also took my source of income, pushing me into early unplanned maternity leave. So 
I'm not going to lie, we felt pretty defeated and hopeless and freaking scared. But we just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and we rented a storage unit for what was left of our belongings, we checked into a hotel with our dogs, and we started frantically searching for a new place to live. Now, thankfully, we had renter's insurance, which helped to offset some of the expenses and losses that we were getting hit with. But since our insurance didn't pay out in real time, they would ultimately be reimbursing us. We were steadily burning through our savings, and because I was suddenly also without a job, it was freaking unnerving. But here is where the blessings started revealing themselves in this situation, and we began to see that what seemed like a huge setback was actually a major setup in our favor. So first off, when they started demoing our old place following the sewage flood, guess what they found? Black mold. Yep, black mold. Nothing good could have come from us continuing to live in that toxic environment that we had no idea even existed. I didn't know there was black mold lurking behind the appliances and in the walls. And I mean, it was just a freaking mess. It was a nightmare. And I sure as hell would not have wanted to bring my sweet baby boy home to that either. Major bullet dodged for us. I mean, we were still living there with that black mold. I think it was there that whole time. So that still really sucks. But we didn't bring Waylon home there. And that feels like a major bullet dodged. So the second major blessing to come out of this situation was our community. Our community of friends and family, they put their arms around us in the biggest way. I mean, they showed up for us offering us their homes and their money and their time and their energy and moving support. I mean, it was nothing short of humbling and heartwarming. We have never felt so loved in our lives. So we ended up living in the hotel for about a month. And then just as our renter's insurance reimbursement for the hotel was about to run out, one of my clients was actually going to be traveling out of town. And she generously offered to open her home to Gabe and I and our dogs and let us stay there for an entire month. Didn't charge us anything. I mean, just an incredible, amazing, generous blessing and one that we didn't expect or we didn't see coming. And then we ended up finding the perfect place that we love for our little family to live with just enough time to settle in and to set up for our son's arrival. So we moved in on Valentine's Day of 2020, right before a global pandemic would have us all in lockdown. And there is so much more to this story that I will share in another episode, but I just wanted to share this part of the story as another example of how sometimes, even when things seem like they're falling apart, they're actually falling into place. There have been so many times over the past year where I've found myself giving thanks for that flood. I mean, seriously, I give thanks daily for that flood. And the thing is, we literally had to be forced out of that place by sewage. I mean, it took that flood to position us appropriately for the year that was coming. And I'm so damn glad that things didn't work out the way I planned them. And I would be willing to bet that as you're listening to this podcast right now, you can probably think of dozens of times where something in your life has unraveled only to come together so much more masterfully than you could have ever imagined it. Because the thing is, we all face adversity and resistance in our lives, but sometimes it's on the other side of that adversity that we find our biggest blessings waiting for us. I just want to say that wherever you are and whatever it is that you're facing, I just want to remind you that everything you require or desire, it's 
already planted on the path before you. All you have to do is just keep putting that one foot in front of the other and try to trust the process. I know it's freaking hard when you're in the moment, but like that Jasmine Starr quote that I mentioned earlier, sometimes our setbacks truly can be our setups. So I'm going to wrap it up for today, but I would love to hear from you. Have you had an experience similar to our sewage flood or a moment where you really had to pivot and just kind of go with the flow, so to speak, because things went completely opposite of what you had planned? I'd love to hear your story. And if you want to share it with me, you can come connect with me on Instagram. You can find me at Rachel May Music. That's May with an E. And if you want to connect with the show over on Instagram, you can just search Mama's Cup of Ambition. So until next time, may your dreams be ambitious. May your coffee be strong. I'll talk to you soon. 